Hey guys, it's Lauren Schmidt, Director of Ministry at Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. So for those of you that know me well, know that I love baseball, and I love one baseball team in particular, and that is the Boston Red Sox. Now, for those of you that follow baseball, you know that today is not the proudest day to be a Red Sox fan. As last night, they experienced a shellacking uh, in the order of 28 to 5. They lost 28 to 5. In fact, one fan I saw online said that the Boston Red Sox last night couldn't even beat the old record of the greatest gap in a baseball game of 30 to 3. And I was like, it, it's, it is absolutely true. And you know, after a game like this, I, on the next day, particularly we're to Saturday, would anticipate and hope for uh, Uncle Ace, those of you who know, beloved Uncle Ace from our church, to come walking through the door and say, Pastor Sam, what happened to your Red Sox? And for me to go, well, did the Cubs win yesterday? And for him to go, because ah, it could go either way. And, of course, that won't happen tonight because he's passed and I had the privilege and absolute honor of preaching his funeral service yesterday. And at his service yesterday, we looked at Psalm 23, and that's where we're going to be tonight. So I'd like to invite you and encourage you to open your copy of God's Word to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this psalm. Thank you for the words that it offers and the comfort that it gives. Thank you for giving us your word and all that it does for our lives. And Lord, I ask now as we dig into the text that you would bless us with your word and that we would come away different, that we would come away closer to you, Lord. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23. So yesterday with the memorial service, it was in fact the first time that I had ever preached Psalm 23. Never even preached it before, let alone at a funeral service where it's most commonly preached. And it's most commonly preached there because of the words of comfort that it offers. And it is known categorically as a confidence psalm. There are messianic psalms, there are Zion psalms, there are even psalms where the psalmist is actually calling out Curses on his enemies, believe it or not. And they all are in different categories. Ultimately, we find, though, in many of the Psalms, if not most of them, that the psalmist wrestles with 
the emotions that he's dealing with before God. And he starts out oftentimes in a time of turmoil where he's questioning what God is doing, only by the end of the psalm to come to the place where he has a sense of confidence in his relationship with him. Wonderful, wonderful works in, the, in God's word to read through many of the psalms. Psalm 23 is distinct, however, because Psalm 23 offers us a picture throughout of a sense of confidence that comes from one's relationship with God. As David reflects on his life with God and his journey with God, taking him from the fields where he was a shepherd of the sheep, all the way up through into becoming a king even. And what we have here is a picture of these various aspects of his life and his eventual passing and his, his afterlife as well. We have three pictures here, in fact, that we're going to look at from God's word tonight. They are pictures for our life as well. Now, when we look at this particular psalm, we see the first picture very often at the very first line of the first part of the psalm. When he writes in verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Now, that phrase, I shall not want, is particularly important when you look at it in the context of the psalm, because what that phrase means is that the psalmist, in this case David, was at a place where he had peace in his heart. There was a sense of stillness, or rather that his affairs were settled in his heart before God. Now, I think that's important to point out as we begin Psalm 23, because so much of our lives, if we're not careful, so much of our lives are anxiety-ridden. We live in a state of want perpetually. And society, television, entertainment, other people, Facebook, social media, is constantly throwing before us pictures of things that we don't have. Whether it be materialistic things, or ideal relationships, or ideal activities and places that we want to be, or we see all these people with money online, and all these things that they're doing in places that they're going, and we go, you know what, I think I would like to have that. I think I would like for that to be a part of my life. And we live in that sense of want. In fact, advertisers prey on it. They want you to want, because then they want you to buy their product or whatever it is that they're selling. But the psalmist David here writes, as he reflects on his relationship with God, and he thinks about him in the first picture here as the shepherd, he recognizes that he does not have any wants. He is at a place where his heart is settled, and he is trusting in the Lord. And man, wouldn't it be wonderful to be there, to not have a sense of want for anything? As he continues on with this picture of the shepherd, he describes this idyllic setting in a field where he describes what it's like to walk with the shepherd. And he says, first, he makes me lie down in green pastures. This is a picture of being fed and sustained. And we know that when we talk about sustainment and we talk about God feeding us, there are many pictures in scripture where God's word is described as a food. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament talks about man not living by bread alone, but by the word of God. And I can't help but think that Jesus was probably even thinking back to this psalm that was written, that he would have read and he would have known. And we see here that the shepherd, who later on Jesus Christ is described as, says that I he, says that he makes me lie down in green pastures. Those green pastures are essentially the, the best place for sheep to eat. That's what shepherds would look for. They would look to for a great place for the sheep to eat, to be fed. 
And we know that God's word feeds us and sustains us. Both the text itself as we read its words and we grow and are strengthened by it, as well as Jesus Christ, who is our Savior, who also grows us spiritually and feeds us and sustains us. And the Holy Spirit of God that sustains us because he lives within us when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So he says, he makes me lie down in green pastures, these lush fields where there's plenty of food and there's nothing to worry about because the shepherd takes care of the needs of the sheep. He says, not only does he make me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. That is a picture of refreshment. We live such a hectic pace in life. And it's because of that want that we looked at already. That want drives us to just go, 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 and to do, 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 and to try to achieve and accomplish all of these things that we're pursuing. That God says, no. No, you're running yourself into the ground for things that don't last. I want to lead you beside the still waters. I want you to have a sense of peace where you can be refreshed in me, to even be energized in me, to use that energy for the things of God, the pursuit of righteousness. We see that the shepherd feeds and sustains us in the green pastures, but he also wants to lead us by those still cool waters so that we can be refreshed and energized in our relationship with him rather than running ourselves into the ground. And then he says, the shepherd restores my soul. And I don't know about you if there's ever been a time that you were going through life and you were struggling with something and you just felt a turmoil inside your soul. You felt like you couldn't have a peace. And no matter what you did and no matter what you tried, you just felt broken inside. And David, he felt that too. In fact, there are psalms that are contrition psalms where David cries out to the Lord over his sin. And he asks God to restore his soul, to make him whole again. And we see that here in the text where he's now looking at this and he's going, yes, Lord, you are the one I know who restores my soul, who gives me peace, who forgives my sin. And that's the picture here. That soul restoration comes from forgiveness that comes from the Lord Jesus Christ when we call out to him. The psalmist would have been looking to the Messiah. We know that's Jesus Christ, and we go to him for forgiveness and restoration and wholeness of the soul. And we see that the shepherd does all of those things in, that, in this first picture. And then we see that he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. The job of the shepherd was to guide and direct the sheep toward those pastures and toward those rivers. And he does just that by walking in front and beside them. He doesn't drive the sheep. He leads them. They know his name and they follow him. There's that kind of a relationship. He guides and directs each step of their life. And he wants to do that for us too. Jesus Christ wants us to follow him. He asks us to follow him and he says, follow me for my burden is light. And it's light because he helps us carry it. And that's the thing. Sometimes life feels heavy. It beats us down. It wears us down. And yet we have a shepherd who wants to carry that. He wants to help us with that load. He is a shepherd who guides and directs us 
and he does so through his word. It's the word of God that tells us the path that we should be walking for righteousness sake. So we go to the word of God, the text, and we read it and we internalize it. We go to the Lord Jesus Christ in prayer and we go to the Holy Spirit that lives within us in order to determine God's will for our lives so that we don't have to wonder what to do because the shepherd wants us to know what to do and he wants to show us how to get to the fields and the river. He guides and directs. Our first picture that we see from the text here is that the Lord is our shepherd in life. And he does all of these things through his word. Both the text, the son, and the spirit. When was the last time that you leaned on the shepherd, Jesus Christ, in your life? To feed and sustain you. To bring you to a place where the matters of your life are settled in your heart. To refresh and energize you when you feel weary. To forgive you for the sin, even those besetting sins that we struggle with over and over and over again. There's forgiveness to be found there. And when was the last time you asked him about guiding and directing your decisions and what you do with your life? Because he wants to do all of that for you so that you too can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's the first picture that we see in the text. The next one we see is that not only is the Lord the shepherd of our life, we also see that he's our companion in our passing. When our days come to an end, as we see in the text earlier in the Old Testament, our days are numbered, and while we don't know them, God does. And when that time comes, he wants to walk with us through that time. Whether it is long and, and arduous or abrupt, he is there, and he walks with us through that. Verse 4. The psalmist David writes, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And to me, that is an amazing picture of knowing that no matter what we experience and no matter what the end of our days is, what it is like, that we don't go through it alone. We have a companion. And that brings me comfort. When I lost my father, who struggled with brain cancer for 14 months before he finally went home to be with the Lord, just knowing that he had a relationship with Jesus Christ and was walking with him through that for all of that time, even when I couldn't be there with him to help him, my Lord and his Lord and Savior were. And we see that the companion walks with us alongside us, where as the shepherd tends to lead out front and the sheep follow, the companion walks alongside and, in fact, walks through all of this. He walks through with us. And because, that, because of that, we have comfort in that. We experience a comfort. We see that as he writes that here at the end where he talks about his rod and his staff comfort me. But there's something else that we note here. He has no fear of the end. He says, I will not fear evil. I don't have to. Because the companion walks with me, alongside me, strengthens me, and emboldens me to keep going through that. And Jesus Christ does that. A relationship with him gives us the ability to endure unimaginable things. And he walks through it with us. 
And we know that God knows loss and sending his own son. So he suffered so that we too would know comfort in our suffering. And then also Paul talks about that we would then know that comfort so that we could comfort others. Because that's what the companion does. He walks alongside us. He gives us the strength and emboldens us to keep going through whatever it is that we're facing. And he comforts us, particularly at the time of our passing when we know him. And that is the hope that, as I shared already, that my father had and that I know that Uncle Ace knew as well. Because he had a relationship with Jesus Christ too. I had the opportunity to baptize him, to publicly declare that. It's an awesome memory. And you know, that's my prayer for you as well. That you too would know the companion. Because you don't know the number of your days or how long you have. None of us do. And it could come quickly. Jesus regularly refers to the picture of a thief in Scripture. And our days can be gone just like that. But if you know Jesus Christ, you don't have to go through that alone. You have a companion in him. We see the picture of the shepherd in our life, the companion in our passing. And then the last one is just an absolute celebration. There's really no other way to put it, because it's something that as believers we can look forward to. And that is the Lord is our host in the afterlife. See, this side of eternity, we sometimes struggle with the fear of death, and it is something that hurts and is painful for the loved ones who are left behind. And we experience and process that mourning, and we weep with those who weep. But following that time of mourning, there is a joyous celebration, and that is on the other side of eternity. And someday, those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior are going to see our loved ones again. And we're going to be able to hang out with them and spend time with them and put our arms around them. And just rejoice and celebrate. And we see that picture here in the text when we see that uh, the, uh, the excuse me, the Lord is our host in the afterlife, verse five and six. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, God is inviting you to a party. Once you get through the very difficult time of death here on earth, he's inviting you to a party at his mansion. And he has a spread on that table like you've never, ever seen before. And we sometimes have those dinners and things after we go through a memorial service where everybody kind of comes together and eats food and kind of shares stories about the person that we've lost. And those are therapeutic healing times, but they're not typically ones where you burst out into laughter and joy and those kinds of things. But what we have here is a picture of that. And we can know that our loved ones, when they know Jesus Christ, their Savior, are going to a party at God's house. And it's an amazing thing. In fact, we know that they and we, when we pass on from this life, will in fact be an honored guest at God's house at his banquet table. And we see that in the imagery here. And I just, I love this part of the text because he talks about how, and he, David, is, you have to realize that David experienced a lot of animosity and turmoil in his life from people that hated him and wanted him dead. I mean, if we're being blunt about the Bible, and those of you that know me know that I am blunt about the Bible. This is what it says. This is what it means. And David was on the run from Saul. He actually eventually was on the run from his own children who were trying to take his life and doing all kinds of crazy things. 
So David had a lot of enemies throughout the course of his life. But as David reflected on what he had to look forward to in the afterlife, he had a comfort from knowing that it didn't matter that he had all of those enemies and people that hated him. Because God was preparing a table in the midst of them. And he had a security and a comfort and a confidence in spite of all of that because of his relationship with God. If you follow the Lord, there will be people that will not like you. In fact, as we go through life, the reality is there'll be people that don't like us anyway. We might as well have people hate us for Jesus, right? If we're gonna. So, and that was David's take as well. But he said, when I sit down at that table, it doesn't matter who hated me in life. Because I know God and God has prepared this for me and I have a confidence and a comfort that comes from him that I don't get anywhere else. And not only that, he's an honored guest because we see that he anoints his head with oil. Because that's what you did at a banquet or a party with the honored guest who sat near the host. as you would, He would actually physically anoint their head with oil. And then everyone else knew that that, that was the honored guest. That's who was supposed to be there. And he does that for us too. When we pass on into eternity and we go to be with Jesus Christ and we go to God's banquet table, he honors us. He is happy to see us. He's been waiting for us and he shows it. And we see that he anoints the head with oil and he abundantly provides for us. So no matter what kind of wants we may have been experiencing here, because we weren't relying on the shepherd, we see that there's none of that with Jesus in heaven. He provides abundantly. Our cup literally overflows. We see that he is a host. The Lord is a host to us, and we're the guest. He gives us that place. Like when Jesus talked about going to prepare a place for us. I can't help but think that this imagery may have been in mind. He provides so abundantly. And then as we look at verse 6, as we wrap up and conclude all of this, these three pictures, the shepherd in life, the companion in passing, and the host in the afterlife, David writes, he says, I think about all this. And he says, surely, knowing all of this here and to come, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Let's stop there for a second and consider some of the other Psalms that David also wrote. This can be contrasted with Psalm number 6, 31, and Psalm 69, all of which David is crying out because he is concerned and scared of the, his, his enemies. He's calling out to God to rescue him. He's in utter soul turmoil. And when we know those Psalms are out there and he wrestled with all those thoughts and things, we then come to Psalm 23, where he says, in spite of all of that, in spite of all of that struggle, I know that because I know God, that I will know goodness and mercy in spite of all of that. And it'll follow me all the days of my life. And he says, we see ultimately here in the text that in verse 6, that eternity is eternity. And this abundance and this care and this place of honor with the Lord lasts forever. It lasts forever. He says, I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is a hopeful eternity. That's a hopeful eternity. So as we look at this text and we look at these three pictures, we look at the shepherd, we look at the companion, and we look at the host. I want to ask you tonight, as you think about all those different aspects, do you know the Lord who is all of those things? 
And is he your Lord? Are you living a life that is consumed by want? Where there is an emptiness in your soul and a hole that nothing can fill? Whether it is you're trying to fill it by material possessions or pursuit of power or relationships or any of the things that we in life try to fill the whole of our soul with. Do you know the Lord who will take care of all those things and bring you to a place where your life is settled in your heart because you know him? I invite everyone to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. No one looking around. As we consider Psalm 23 and we see the confidence that's portrayed here by David, even though his life was in turmoil sometimes, we see that on the outside there was turmoil, but on the inside there's peace. And I want to encourage you tonight, if you don't know that sense of peace that comes from a relationship with the Lord, the relationship that David had, I want to invite you and encourage you right now in your heart to call out to God and say, God, I want to know you. And I want to know your son, Jesus Christ, personally. Please forgive me for my sin. And Lord, I want to give my life to you, to live for you. Lord, I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to be my companion. And I want you to be my host. And if you've made that decision today and the quietness and stillness of your heart, I want to encourage you when we're done this evening to let me know. Share with me that because I want to celebrate that with you and help you know what next steps there are in living as a believer and following the Lord. Father God, thank you so much for this text. The peace that comes from your word and from knowing you. And I do pray for everyone here that if there is anyone that doesn't know you personally, that they may have made that choice tonight. And Lord, for those of us that have had a relationship with you for some time, I pray that you would bring us back to following the shepherd. That we would let you guide and direct our lives, that we would seek our energy and strength from you, and that ultimately we would let you feed us, Lord, rather than trying to eat of the world. Thank you so much, Jesus Christ, for coming to die for us on the cross and rising again so that we can do the same. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen. God bless as you go forth to preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week.